the podcast. A podcast for mums by mums. My name is Pamela and in each episode I will sit down and chat to a mum about motherhood. The ups and downs and everything in between. Today's guest is a mum of three, a breastfeeding counsellor, an antenatal educator and a doula. It's Jen Crawford of Doula Care Ireland. Welcome. Hello. Thank you, Pamela. You're very welcome. I'm so excited to have you in. So am I. Super excited now that we're both so here. so much to talk about. Um, loads of our correspondence was done in the evening time. Yes. Between putting kids to bed. Absolutely. Yeah. Or when everyone's asleep and mums still have to stay up and get the work done. All the jobs done. <laughs> yes. Um, something that even in the intro that caught me was you have immersed yourself in motherhood from your work life to your home life. Oh, that's a lovely way to put a family. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, you must love it. You I must. do. I do. I just, I think becoming a mum is such a powerful journey. And obviously there's peaks and troughs and, you know, there's a flow that comes with it. But I just think it changes who we are, you know, and it's just, I'm in awe of it. Yeah, there's something that changes that you kind of don't expect really when you are pregnant. It kind of just happens almost in that moment of when you see your child for the first time, isn't it? Yeah, and for some it isn't instant. You know, some mothers don't have that instant, oh my God, I'm totally in love and infatuated immediately. Sometimes it takes time, but it changes who we are and our outlook on life, you know. Absolutely, I think it really does. And what for you came first with your your training with breastfeeding cancer and an antenatal educator and doula Mm. or was it the kids first? It was kids first. So two boys first. So I have Seth who's just turned 12 and we're entering into that tween life um, and the hormones and everything. And then I have Leon who's seven and uh, it was when Leon was a baby. I started working with a charity called Irish Premature Babies and that was my first kind of dipping my toe in the water of supporting parents and I was hooked. You loved it? Loved it, absolutely loved it. Yeah, particularly parents of prem babies and sick babies because they're so vulnerable and there isn't a huge amount of emotional support. Um, So I was probably too immersed in it at that point because when you're a volunteer, you know, it can eat up a mm-hmm. lot of your life. Um, But I absolutely loved it. Then trained as a breastfeeding counsellor with Quidju. And then the same year um, as an antenatal educator with Quidju, which is now Antenatal Ireland. So I kind of did those two courses over three years at the same time. Um, And then during that time as well, decided actually I want to do more and trained as a postpartum doula. And very quickly that became my full time work Uh, and then trained as a birth doula later that year. So, yeah, just ran with it. (laughs) And then after all that, you had Mm. a third baby. I did. I had little Kayla almost a year ago. She's one on the 25th of March. So, yes. Yeah. Birthday coming up. It is. It is. And in one way, it's been a crazy year that seems like it's gone on forever. And then another way, it's like, wow, I can't believe she's one. Yeah. You know, that kind of parallel where the days just seem endless, but yet the year flew. Flew. Yeah. I know. And for you, your three kids, Mm. each pregnancy was different, each birth was different. And I think it kind of highlights to us nothing that you can kind of plan for when it comes to kids, no matter the age, (laughs) it's never going to be what you think it's going to be. No, it's really like reality versus Instagram. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There's no plan. And, you know, they don't come out with a manual. So even 
the labour and birth is going to be unique, but each individual baby is unique. And, you know, you can have 10 kids and number 11 pops out and you're like, well, this is a different journey again. You and know, did you find being a doula then having and being so well trained that was your expectation then for the third birth going, I got this? Um, it wasn't that I got this, but it was definitely I've got the support in place I need. So I had, you know, the midwives, I had my doula, I had my husband well prepared. He was going to be my advocate and he did a really, really good job actually this time. You know, I think he grew and he learned from the other experiences as well. So we were a real team going into the third one. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was a really positive VBAC experience. So VBAC is a vaginal birth after cesarean. Um, and there can still be that expectation that once a cesarean, always a cesarean, but that's not true. You know, if women are informed and understand the pros and the cons of every decision, um, they can go and have a really positive experience. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing. And yeah. there is, I suppose, in getting the information out there really to support women to make these decisions. Absolutely. It's such a vulnerable time, mm. even if it is your third child and you kind of feel like, you know, there I might want a different path this time or yes. you want to kind of, you might have had a traumatic birth the first or second time. It's mm -hmm. important that, you know, the choice still lies with the mum. Absolutely. And it's about parents being informed, you know, and getting all the information. I think in Ireland, we still have that kind of white coat of yes, doctor, no doctor. And we just do whatever you think is best. But really, it's taking the power back and saying, what's best for my individual situation? You know, and what is it that you want? You know, yeah. because m what... I would see as a really positive experience might be total opposite to what you might think is a positive experience. So it's about our individual journeys and choices as well. Yeah. And I think yeah. even for women, it's supporting each other in that decision. Mm -hmm. It's kind of saying that's the path you want to take. Yes. Um, I support you in that and absolutely go for it. Absolutely. Um, we're each as individual as, you know, to every decision we make. So, you know, your birth shouldn't really be any different to, you know, decisions to make on a daily basis they all suit each other absolutely um yeah and how is being an expectant mum for you um I absolutely love being pregnant I just think it's the most magical time you know you can wear anything and you're not fat you're pregnant you know there's no wobbly tummy or anything yeah. like muffin tops it's just fabulous uh with the boys I bloomed pretty much and you know had the early morning sickness but not too bad just queasiness you know um but really really good in general but then Kayla's pregnancy came along and boy was it different <laughs> you know really sick I got sick for like most of the pregnancy God. all through the day lived off plain baked potato you know <laughs> it's just like kind of forcing myself to eat um so, yeah, it was a totally different experience. And I don't know, was it because she was my third and I was busy? I was running Doula Care Ireland, you know, so I was go, go, go. Um, or was it just she was a girl, you know, the old wives tale? Boys and girls, pregnancies are different. So I'm not sure, but it was definitely a different experience. Very different. Mm. And your births, the three of them were different. They were. I kind of had a bit of everything. Yeah, you're you're well <laughs> yeah. experienced for being a doula. You've been there. That's it. I've kind of experienced everything there is to experience apart from a home birth. So if I have number four, it'll be a home birth <laughs> for sure. Um, But yeah, my first, I was 19 pregnant and I had him just before my 20th birthday. 
and I was all, you know, my body was made to do this. The baby's just going to come. I don't need to know anything. I don't need to scare myself. It's just going to happen. And then I walked in and into the Irish maternity system and was brought down the active management path. And I kind of didn't expect it, you know, so I wasn't prepared for that. And I ended up with a bit of everything. So pethidine, you know, uh, up on the Sinto drip. I had forceps, vacuum, episiotomy. It was grim, pretty grim. Um, So that took a good bit to recover from. Yeah. And then second guy, I was like, okay, definitely need to be informed this time. I wasn't yet a doula, but I was kind of in that world a little bit. So I really felt well informed and had my birth preferences and my affirmations, had hubby ready, you know, to advocate. And we did well, you know, labor was a brilliant experience, got to 10 centimeters, started to push and he wasn't coming. And it was then we discovered he was OP. So he was posterior. So he was facing mm-hmm. the wrong way. Um. So with just gas and air, they tried to turn him. Wasn't a nice experience. He wasn't coming. They tried the vacuum, didn't happen. So he ended in an emergency cesarean. So that was kind of what everyone would see as the worst case scenario. But actually, I had a really nice labor, you know, laughing and joking with the hubby. So I didn't see it as a negative experience. The only thing that I hated was we were separated. Um, because that was seven years, almost eight years ago. And back then babies were kept with dad and mom would be in the recovery Recovery. for two or three hours, willing your toes to move so you could go down and have your baby. So that was awful, but um, it wasn't too bad. And then Kayla, I had a completely natural birth, just gas and air and, you know, really fast and furious. She just was ready to come and out she came. Uh, But then... As most people will know, if they're following my journey, she was born with a cleft palate unexpectedly. So kind of went from the ecstasy of my amazing VBAC that I achieved to, oh God, something's wrong. And did you know immediately when she was born? So when she was born, I was kind of all, you know, I've just given birth. (laughs) Yeah, all head in the clouds. Um, And I went to look down and she wasn't breathing. So I could see they were like working on her. Um, and I just put my arms out and I was like, delayed cord clamping, delayed cord clamping, delayed cord clamping. So I could see they were going to cut it, but they cut her cord anyway and brought her over to the resuscitator to work on her. So we, we kind of knew straight away. Um, and then the pediatrician came in and then it was about, say, I mean, look, your, your memory of time, you know, passes. Yeah. But I'd say it was about three or four minutes. Now, she was breathing by then, but they were still working on her. Um, they said, oh, your baby has a hole in her mouth. So that's when it all kind of started. It was. I was just, (laughs) when I was pregnant with Kayla, I actually attended a seminar on supporting breastfeeding in many different situations. And one of the modules was cleft lip and palate, oddly enough, as the universe would bring. So we had actually seen loads of slides of different cleft palates and, you know, different medical care that's needed. So I had you know, that information, but I had just given birth a few minutes ago. So I just kept going, but what does that mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was like my brain couldn't connect, but she looked perfect. You would never know, you know, gorgeous chubby cheeks, little button nose. Um, and I did get to keep her with me for a little while for a cuddle, which was just fabulous. So, yeah, it's so important. Yeah, it was really, really fabulous. Um, but then they had to take her down to NICU and that was 
pretty right. awful. Yeah. If there's something very surreal when they take your baby and you've just given birth and you have that kind of empty tummy and your arms just want to hold your baby. And, you know, I just remember being in the shower on the labor ward with this kind of like vacant stare going, what's just happened? You know, because it was so quick. It was a really quick, intense labor. And then all of a sudden we're thrown into this new world. You're in your room. You're like I said, showering. Yes. You've kind of you've done your the, the job, let's say you've done the labor. <laughs> yes. Baby's not there and you're probably just sitting there going. What? Like, what do I do now? And that would be quite a hard time for any mom. If you were lucky that you were so informed and I think, yes. you know, you could probably resolve yourself. You could probably talk yourself around. Mm. It's still a really difficult situation. I think in some ways it's great I was informed because I was able to say immediately, get me syringes. I need to start hand expressing my milk for her. You know, I was very kind of proactive in, I know what I need to do, the practical steps. But in another way, it was kind of harder because I know the evidence separating a mum and baby makes the baby unstable. You know, if if a baby is up on mom's chest having skin to skin, their heart rate stabilizes, their breathing stabilizes, they're just in a much better place. But the Irish maternity system doesn't see that and they go into the little box, the incubator, and that's where they care for babies. So I kind of had a little bit of a fight in my hands to keep her on my chest as much as possible, you know. Um, like I did feel like it was an inconvenience for the nurses and they are, they're super busy. I mean, geez, like sitting in that room in the special care, watching them, like there's one nurse with five babies. It's just incredible. And they have to have them, you know, feed them, change their nappy, win them and all their medical care. I don't know how they do it. They're really yeah. amazing. It is. It's a serious vocation that they have. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I suppose it's tricky when you're in that situation. Like I've supported hundreds, you know, if not more parents going through that journey, because I've always specialized in supporting parents who have sick and preterm babies. So it was odd that the universe decided that you need to experience this. But I've learned a lot, you know, but I think living it yourself is totally different to the empathy you think you have. For parents in that situation um, and everything that they told me was true. You know, there's there's no communication with the words. So I'd be down with Kayla, you know, trying to give her my milk and everything. And then I'd be going up to try and catch my food. And, you know, the lunch would be there an hour sitting on the table cold and you're eating like a cold risotto to just because you're telling yourself, I have to eat this to make the milk. I have to eat this to make the milk. You know, there's just yeah. as a mum of a sick baby, you're forgotten in the system and people don't know what to say you know like people are texting and they're like congratulations I don't know how are you feeling and then it kind of just switches to every message or every call is how's Kayla and you're just a ghost you know yeah yeah and can kind of take the shine off it because presumably yes you're worried about her the end of the day you've had a beautiful baby girl absolutely who you love and adore yes she has an issue but you know, you kind of know yourself, I can cope with this. Absolutely. This is something we can yes. do in the grand scheme of things. Yes. Yeah. She's alive and well. That's true. Yeah. And I always you say kind of something that um, I always kind of do bear in mind when you are sending the text, you know, congratulations. Mm-hmm. And if someone has had you know, a difficult birth or there's a change of expectation. Yes. For them, they have their baby. Yes. They're a mum. I mean, the messaging is the same. Absolutely. Um. 
I suppose just being there for them and mm. in the exact same way, even more so because they're they might need that extra bit of support. That's true. Absolutely. And I suppose, you know, people just feel awkward and they don't want to say the wrong thing. It's not out of badness. Yeah. Um, but I was saying to my doula, you know, she as a doula, you'd come and have a postnatal meet. So it's kind of debrief the experience. But that was one of the first times anyone asked me about my birth experience. So I'd had this amazing feedback that I had focused on and really worked hard on to achieve all through my pregnancy. And nobody asked me about it. Nobody said like, well done. It was just all, okay, you're thrown into this new world. Let's deal with what you've got yeah. on the table, you know. Um, and I think that made a huge understanding to me of ways I can support parents better in the future. You know, it really helped my learning and my growing. And you breastfed yeah. the two boys. Yes. So now your breastfeeding counsellor, you, mm. you know, you've done your course. So yes. you were primed. Yeah, you know, exactly. And you were determined. And I think that's something with breastfeeding, no matter how or who is doing it, you have to be determined. It's, it's, yes. it's termed as the most natural thing. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that it's not incredibly difficult. Yeah, I think, you know, Ireland has one of the lowest breastfeeding rates in the world, you know, so that's a pretty incredible fact. And we're also one of the biggest manufacturers of formula milk in the world. So I think you can see the correlation, you know, um, and the support that mothers get aren't great. You know, if you think years ago, a mum would be home with her baby and she'd have her mother, her aunt, her neighbour, everyone popping in, showing her, well, why don't you try hold the baby this way? Why don't you try this position? Relax your shoulders, giving her the tips to make it comfortable. Uh, but we've lost that a whole generation. So mums who are breastfeeding now don't have the support. And, you know, as we have all experienced in the postnatal ward, a nurse will show you once and they kind of lob the baby on and they're like, right, you're feeding off you go. And that's it. You're on your own, you know, and it can be scary. So I think the, the big thing to remember is that breastfeeding should never hurt. It should never, ever hurt. And if it hurts, get support. So there's breastfeeding counsellors with Quidju. There's the Lesh League, Friends of Breastfeeding or an IBCLC lactation consultant. And they're there or postpartum doulas with Doula Care Ireland. <laughs> but obviously there's support there. So do get it, you know. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest challenge for me with Kayla was not being able to breastfeed her. Um, that was a real lost a real grieving process and I to be honest I don't know will I ever get over it you know because she may be our last and I'll have missed out that experience with her and I pump my milk for her so she's always had my breast milk she's never had any formula but it's not breastfeeding is so much more than nutrition it's that bond that closeness and the convenience you know like with the boys I used to be able to go out the door with a nappy and a packet of wipes and be gone for the day and that was it. You know, I could be in the playground, I could be anywhere and I'd lob them on the boob when they were hungry. Um, but with Kayla, it was just trying to get my head around. So how do we go anywhere? Because I have to pump every two or three hours and it takes maybe an hour to get the bottle into her because she's a special bottle called a Haberman. Um, then window changer, it's almost time to pump again. So we had these short like 30, 40 minute windows where we were trying to get things done and it was just crazy my my own experience is yes. I absolutely hated pumping yes I'm not sure for any mom, other mums out there it's the most boring tedious I don't even know if it's the sound of the pump that adds <laughs> to the boringness of it and you can be have all the entertainment in front of you but yet mm -hmm. 
It's so monotonous. It is. And time consuming. Yeah, it's just not a nice experience. It's not pleasant. You know, it's it's a job or a task yeah. that needs to be completed. Um, and I think I really struggled with that at the beginning because I had such wonderful experiences breastfeeding the boys. And I just thought I'm missing out on so much here, but so is Kayla. Um, but then I just decided, OK, I have to make a decision here. Am I going to pump and commit to giving her breast milk or not? And to me, there just wasn't a question I had to. So I had to make it work. So how do I work it into my day? So I tried to schedule my pumps at times I'd eat. So I'd double pump with a bra that I cut with holes in it so I could be hands free. And I would have Kayla in the boogie or the bouncer beside me and I would eat my breakfast. And then I'd sort her out and then I'd sit down and I'd eat, you know, a mid-morning snack, whatever, and pump. So I kind of tried to schedule it that way that I'm not just sitting there pumping because yeah. you'd lose your mind. You really would. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I discovered pumping in the car and that was a game changer. <laughs> so as I said, I cut holes in the bra so I could double pump hands free. So I started pumping in the back of the car when hubby would be driving, so when we'd be going to all of Kayla's hospital appointments. So that just saved time because it meant we weren't an extra half hour in whatever location we went to. Um, but then I tried pumping when I was driving one day and I realized, wow, I can do this. So I can pump while I'm bringing the kids to the playground. So the bottle's ready. We can spend three hours there and then pump on the way home and the bottle's ready for when we get home. So it was just life changing. And it meant, changer. yeah, it meant that I could do it long term. So I'm expressing nearly a year now and I've no intentions to stop until Kayla finishes having milk from a bottle. That's amazing. How's yeah. Kayla doing now? She's super. She's a little doll. Um, she had her big surgery in January and surpassed all expectations. We were braced for ICU and everything because obviously it's a surgery in her mouth and at her throat so there can be swelling. Um, and she did super and she was out after 36 hours. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well she's amazing. And she's a dose. She loves people and she has the biggest blue eyes and massive smile for anyone who pays her any attention so she's great and she's two very protective brothers i'm sure oh she's adored by them absolutely adored especially leon he's a very nurturing kind of nature about him and he just dotes on her he really does if he could spend all day hugging his baby sister he would he That's really beautiful. is incredible yeah it's really proud you know when your mom and you're watching your kids together it's just like oh want to remember these forever yeah if you could snapchat that yeah. memory oh i know store it away that's it yeah so your family must have been an immense support for you they were i mean not just my immediate family i mean obviously my mom and paul's parents were just incredible you know they really were it was all hands on deck um because the older boys still had to get to school and do all the normal things you know um but my kind of extended family as I'd call it where my doulas and Quidju family were just amazing and when I say I was blown away by the support I honestly like people that I didn't even really know dropping meals off in the porch you know getting messages from people genuinely from their heart saying if you need anything and I'm a I'm a nurturer so I'm normally the one that minds people and runs around and does things for everyone else. So I found that really difficult. I was embarrassed, actually, by needing help. Yeah. You know, and I've spent years telling moms, 
you're important, you need to be cared for. But when it was me in that situation, I found it very hard. And it took me a good few weeks to accept the help. And I had to say, look, my focus is making this milk for Kayla and making sure Kayla's well. And in order to do that, I'm going to need help. And I started getting some of our doulas in for a few hours and they wouldn't take payment. They were amazing. They volunteered their time. Um, and then we had all my Quidju friends, you know, that were popping in and it was just amazing, you know, to know someone was coming in the morning to help wash and sterilize the bottles or to hold Kayla while I pumped, you know, it just made the world of difference. You'll never ask. Yes. I mean, that's kind of important. Never wait for a mum to ask, because I don't think it's within us to say, actually, yeah, I need help here. It's very, I think it's difficult. And I think it's part of it is our society. And, you know, social media has a part to play in that, where people just, you know, they have a two day old baby and they're snapping chats of like, oh, you know, out having coffee and they full makeup and hair done. And, you know, you're sitting at home in your pajamas with baby puke on you going, I don't even know if I'm going to have a shower today, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so it's that expectation of I have to put up that front of no, everything's fine. Um, but it is it's difficult for us to ask for help. I think the one thing I would say is don't expect to go in and cuddle baby and do all that. The real thing that mothers need is for them to be protected in that little bubble with their baby and other people to do everything else. So drop a meal in the porch, call and say, I want you to go to bed for half an hour with your baby. And when you come down, I'm going to have lunch ready or stick a load of washing on or whatever it is, you know, like don't sit down and wait for mum to make you a cup of tea when you call. Yeah, um, it's so true, isn't it's it? It's just the little things make such a difference. They yeah. really do. And I think we can all remember those times in our lives, whether it was that we were sick or we've just had a baby or life is just chaotic in some way. And you remember the person who calls with a lasagna. You really do. Or whatever it is. <laughs> you know, you remember that person for the kindness, the time it took them to do that. Or even just someone who calls with bread and milk. You exactly. Know? Yeah. And you don't have to get everyone out and dressed and in the car and around the shops. Because it's an ordeal, you know, it's like climbing Everest, the amount of stuff you have to bring. So just for someone to do something small like that can change your day. <laughs> and that Instagram versus reality there that we just touched on, it yes. can be very difficult for new mums that there is this expectation of mm. I should be out and I should be going for lunch on day three or yes. and judging their own success. Absolutely. On the success of others. And we yes. really need to go, your journey is your journey. And if you want to stay at home and cuddle your baby in your pajamas for the first six weeks. Yeah. Take that time because that it, it's so precious. Absolutely. And everyone tells you, take it in, soak it in. And they really mean it because they're speaking from experience. Yes. So it's really kind of finding that path that you want for yourself. Yes. And I think there's, you know, there's a saying I would always say is, Spend two weeks in the bed with your baby, two weeks on the bed and two weeks near the bed. So what I say by that is two weeks where you're just snuggled up and recovering from birth. You know, you've given birth to a baby, be it a vaginal birth or a cesarean. <clears throat> so you have to recover from that and build your stores up and get that breastfeeding journey going or get that bonding going and learn how to bottle feed if that's your choice, you know. Um, and then two weeks on the bed is potter around, go out for little walks, but kind of chill out, feet up as much as possible. And two weeks near near the bed is go and have your naps 
you know, the old wife's tale of get into bed and sleep when baby sleeps. And you think, but sure, the dishes have to be done and I have to do the washing and, you know, all these different things. But actually the house can wait. Your baby can't and you'll never, ever get that time back. You know, so enjoy it and experience it and immerse yourself in motherhood. Um, I just think it's such a special time. And I know there are people who, for their own mental health, need to get out. So do, if that's the type of person you are, get out and have your coffee with your friends and put your makeup on if it makes you feel good. But take the time to have a little afternoon nap or, you know, sit up and watch something on Netflix while you're cuddling your baby. Exactly. You know, you don't have to take on the whole world in those early weeks. You spoke there about bonding um, and you found it difficult with Kayla because you had that bonding with the boys through breastfeeding. Yes. Did you do anything differently <clears throat> with Kayla? Did you do any classes or did you do anything at home yeah. that you felt helped you bond? Um, Kayla just lived down my top doing skin to skin, basically. So partly because I just hated that people kept taking her because I was pumping. So it was hard, you know, with a small baby because her airways were a little bit compromised. So she had to be in a certain position for her breathing to be good. Um, so I had to keep passing her off when I was pumping and it just killed me, you know, because every two or three hours for half an hour, it's a lot in a day when you think about it. Um, so that really killed me. So anytime I wasn't attached to the pump, she was just down my top and that's where she lived for the first while. Um, and slings, I just think that changes, you know, your what you can do in a day. So I had a lovely stretchy wrap from uh, one of my amazing postpartum doulas, Trisha from Snugglebugs. And she came and showed me how to get her in the wrap because I was really concerned about her airways, you know, being thin. But she showed me how to protect the airways and Kayla loved it. So actually my experience with the boys was they whimper, they cry pretty much for any reason, give them the boob and it's comfort, it's food, it's thirst, it's everything. But the sling became that for Kayla. So myself and my husband could both do that. So anytime she was out of sorts, it was pop her in the sling and do a little jig and a dance and she'd chill out and be happy. She felt safe. She felt held. She could hear our heartbeats. And we still do that now. She spends a lot of the time in the sling now. Slings are, are yeah. brilliant. And if they're if you're if a new mum out there or someone who's pregnant they're thinking about it you've got yes. baby wearing Ireland absolutely which are amazing support um and yes. you it, this is kind of one of those resources that are kind of undersold really yes and they have libraries sling libraries across the country so um baby wearing consultants volunteer their time where you basically go and it's amazing you know they'll have every type of sling that you could possibly think of and you can go when you're pregnant and they have weighted dolls for you to try them out They can work with parents who have babies with certain needs. So babies that are on have hip braces or have low tone, premature babies, babies with issues with their airways like Kayla had. So they really are a wealth of knowledge and they can help mums to to have that experience of skin to skin because you can just wrap baby up skin to skin when they're in the sling. But also it means you can cook lunch, you can do homework with the older kids, you can do everything basically with baby happy and content on your chest so it's just amazing so you had you you'd one two now three for you and you're talking about the homework when you have baby number one yes 
you all your focus is on baby number one at the time and yes. they get all their precious time then number two comes and uh-huh. this time is divided and then number three comes and it's divided even more yeah what do you think uh was your was the biggest jump um i think two to three but i think that was probably because of kayla's additional needs you know um because I'm used to our house is kind of grand central, you know, like all the kids from the road, the door is open, they all come. I could be feeding eight kids in the day, you know, for dinner. They just arrive and the door is in and out. And that's the way we've always wanted it. It's a home where people feel welcome. So I'm used to juggling lots of kids, you know, and I fill my car for going anywhere. Whatever kid from the road wants to come to the playground or anything comes, you know. So I didn't expect it to be harder, but it definitely was. Um, I think we have such gaps between our kids as well. So they're 12, 7 and 1 almost. So the 12 year old has different things. So he's making his confirmation this year. So he has these masses that are at like 7 o'clock at night. That is right at bedtime for Kayla and bath time for the 7 year old. And it's just trying to juggle all those things and all the different needs. You know, the different activities you're running from one place to the other for all their different things yet still have a baby that needs to have naps and bottles and lunch and everything so it's just trying to carve out the time you know but you find your way you do it takes yeah, a while it does yeah. definitely and I think you know finding your your tribe your your mum tribe so it's you know whether it's you know, from doing baby massage classes or mum and baby yoga or your local quidju or friends of breastfeeding meet, whatever it is, try and get out there and meet some mums that are in the same phase as you because you'll get so many tips and tricks from other people that you might not have thought of, you know, that can just make life so much easier where you're like, wow, I didn't think of that. That's really going to make it easier to do this or that. So um i were in a whatsapp whatsapp group and oh, there's yeah. a few of us and yeah uh one of the girls having trouble with one of the little boys sleeping and um you know we're all giving our tuppence of what will yes. help and will work and it is invaluable oh god absolutely yeah and i think knowing to install a big filter because everyone will have like you say their own way or their own bit of advice so take all the information in and filter down what works for you. So you might take a bit from one person, a bit from another person, and you'll find what works for your family. But I think just the support of other mothers to be able to say, this is really hard. Yeah. You know, and for someone to understand, yes, it is hard. And it's not that you don't love your kids, because of course you do, but you're allowed to say it's bloody hard work. And something you touched on there was all the opinions. And as a new mum, it can be overwhelming Mm. when people give opinions in certain situations (laughs) yes I think know your audience so know who is giving it for some people they're so kind of stuck in their own opinion or their own universe that there's no point in arguing so just nodding and smiling and saying yeah thank you I'll, I'll take that on board for sure you know and then for others to be able to say thank you but no thanks you know so you you kind of have to find what what feels right for you. And sometimes we don't know what the right answer is, but trust your gut. Yeah, it won't lead you astray, will it? Yeah, absolutely. And look, if you if you make a, a mistake, 
it's only a mistake if you don't learn from it. So if you need to readjust down the road, readjust. You know, we're all learning constantly and evolving and we grow as our family grows. We learn what works for us and we're constantly compromising. Yeah. And even, you know, you speak there about compromising in your your home life and then you have your work life. Mm. How do you manage it all? (laughs) Well, I think the honest answer is I don't. So I think to be fair, I don't achieve everything I want to achieve. Um, I I definitely feel like there's days when my kids don't get what they deserve from me. They have too much screen or we don't get out for a run around and they're bouncing off the walls then at 7 p.m. And I'm thinking, oh, this is now if I had got them out for a run in the park, you know. And then there's days when my business suffers, when I prioritize my family and take a day for them then, you know, I'm not getting all the work done that I would want to to see Do Care grow. So I think it's that constant balance of the scales. And sometimes you have to prioritize yourself. Sometimes you have to prioritize your family. And sometimes business has to take a little kind of step ahead. And, you know, it's tough. I think we're always filled with that mama guilt where we just, you know, we're expected to parent like we don't work. And work like we don't parent. And it's very hard to find that balance and meet expectations in both categories. And it's kind of like the two shouldn't collide. It's yes. like you shouldn't mix both. Yes. I keep them in their own boxes. But in reality, it's you just can't do that. It's Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm lucky in that my work is the baby world. So I bring Kayla to most things. Um like I'm pretty lucky in that sense that like if I'm going to talks or I'm going to lectures, whatever, I tend to just pop her in the sling and bring her with me. Um, so I'm really, really lucky in that regard. And I choose my own errors in general so I can work it around what works for my family. But a lot of parents don't have that luxury and it's finding the balance for them, you know. And even if it is that a mum goes back to work after maternity leave and has a big long day and they think, well, I only have half an hour with my baby before bedtime enjoy that half an hour let the dishes sit there play with your baby cuddle your baby have a bath together whatever it is that you can enjoy it you know because even that half an hour if it's quality time will just refill your cup to get you through the next day and it's refilling both cups it's refilling the baby cup but also that mum cup that needs to be topped up yeah and actually I think that little top up reduces the guilt yes Yeah, absolutely. Or lots of mothers, you know, take baby into the bed. And while even though baby's asleep, you're having those cuddles, you get to smell them, you get to kiss them, you know, whatever it is. And it's just, yeah, it fills your heart and helps you enjoy that time. Yeah. And there's nothing better than that kind of baby smell. Oh, is there any if you could bottle it? Just the smell of the top of their head. Oh, it's like magic. I know it is. You could just oh smell it all day long. It just makes you oh, it's amazing. (laughs) So the past six months, the word doula has been out there a lot more than probably ever before because of Duchess Meghan Markle. That's right. I know. Fair play to her. She's really brought us out of the shadows. It's great. I was so thrilled when I saw it. Um, But really, you know, she's a forward thinker and she wants a positive experience and she's not happy to just go with the flow. She wants her individual journey to be what she wants. So she's speaking up and I think it's amazing. 
Um, but doulas have been around for a long, long time. And actually, we were doing a training with Dr. Niels Bergman um, last week. And he was saying that basically it was amazing because it was a light bulb moment for me that all mammals give birth to their babies facing up. So posterior, the way my middle guy was, Leon. So they can basically take the baby up themselves. But humans, their baby is facing out in an anterior position. So they actually need a birth support person to be there to help them. And that's where the doula came from. So I just thought, wow, isn't that amazing that it really is that need for support that we have that other mammals might not necessarily have. Um, And so we've kind of been around forever, but we just have a formal name and are turning it into a profession now. And how would someone go about choosing a doula? If you were pregnant, think mm. about getting pregnant and you're thinking, I love the support. Yes. How do you find someone I suppose, that you feel like you can connect to? Yes, I think that word connection is really important because a doula is, could be the only person that you're going to choose to be in the room with you apart from your partner. Um, so you might never have met the midwives. You might never have met a doctor if a doctor comes in. So your doula is your continuity of care in the Irish maternity system. So you work with them during pregnancy. They'll be with you through your labour and birth and afterwards as well. So choosing that person that makes you feel comfortable is really, really important. So meeting face to face, I would say chat over the phone with people who you're interested in. Also important for your partner to feel comfortable because your partner is going to work with the doula during the labour and birth more so than you because the doula works to support your partner in being the best support for you. So they'll be the ones saying, try the massage here. Do you think she might like a sip of water? Why don't you use the cold face cloth? Because our goal really is for you to say after labour and birth, God, wasn't he amazing? I couldn't have done it without him. And we're just the quiet supporter in the background, making sure that that bubble is protected, you know. Um, But I suppose in answer to your question, there is lots of doulas working around Ireland. But I suppose in Doula Care Ireland, we're an agency. So we vet all our doulas. So our doulas are the only doulas that are Garda vetted in the country. And they all have to have taken a formal training. They all have to be insured. So we've kind of done some of that filtering process. And you'll speak to Mary or I. And then once we get a sense for what it is you want in the birth support or afterwards, you know, what things are important to you will match you with the doula we think works and you get to meet with them. And then most of the time we do a good job and people love the doula we've chosen. But sometimes they say, do you know what? I think they're not quite the right fit. Um, Can we meet with someone else? So we have 30 doulas across the country to choose from. Um, so we match up until you have the right fit, but we get a lot of that work out of the way for you, you know. Um, but I think it is about who makes you feel comfortable and who kind of is on the same wavelength as you, because we're all individuals, you know, and the same way as you won't meet two people in any profession that have the same outlook on life. So it's it's finding the person that clicks with you. And I suppose it's important to say as well that Working with a doula doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have a natural birth. You can choose whatever birth plan you want and your doula is there to empower you. Absolutely. We actually have packages for cesarean births. So specifically for mums who said, I'm going to have a scheduled cesarean, but I really would love that emotional support 
ahead of time on the day and then the support afterwards, you know, just for things like someone to lift the baby to you, help you get feeding off the ground, make sure you're comfortable, help you in the shower, you know, the simple things. Um, and I think our goal as a doula, it's it's not to for anyone to have a particular type of birth or parenting experience. It's about them to have a positive experience. And the key to that is informed choice. So it's helping parents to understand all the information, understand the policies and procedures, know how to ask the questions and make informed decisions along the way. I think as long as parents don't feel like they were brought down a road without really understanding the pros and cons, if they've made informed decisions along the way, even if it's something that was totally different to what they wanted, they know, well, that was the choice that I made in that moment and it was the right choice for me. Then it's positive, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think another thing that I didn't realise about the doula care was it's not just the birth. You're mm. there afterwards as well as the support. Yes. Which I think for people that don't necessarily have a family unit around them, or family support, mm-hmm. and the husband has to go back to work yeah. and the mum is at home on their own, that there is that help to come in so the moment if you need an hour sleep or mm-hmm. you do want you know you need to do food shop yes that you can kind of you know they either help you you know in different aspects of that mm-hmm. absolutely which is amazing yeah I mean I'm experiencing it myself I don't know how I ever parented in the early weeks without doula support but really what we do so there's do birth doulas that support parents through pregnancy. So giving them all that information, helping to build them up so they're confident going in. Um, we're there through the labor and birth. So the entire time there's no shift changes, you know, or changing different wards. We're there, we walk that journey. Um, and then we're there for support afterwards in the early weeks to help you get on your feet. But there's also postpartum doulas that only specialize from basically when baby's born. And those doulas, support parents in the first few months after baby's born and really it's a bit of everything so it's continuing that information support as we did if we were birth doulas and helping you make informed decisions about your care and your baby's care Um, but it's also building parents up and nurturing them so protecting that mother baby father baby bond so it's putting you up in bed with a warm cup of tea and a sandwich and saying you just rest there now I'm going to sort out the house, you know, batch cooking meals. So you've dinners to just pull out of the freezer when you're hungry, sorting the laundry, organizing the baby's room, doing the food shop, popping out to the chemist to pick up those things that you needed that you just can't get around to doing. It's all the little things that just seem so overwhelming when you're a new parent, you know. Um, But even just things like, you know, running a nice bath and saying, baby's fed and happy I'll mind baby tell me what you'd like me to do will I rock baby whatever it is that makes you feel comfortable and you can lie in a nice bath for half an hour with just a bit of me time it's incredible you know or the power of a hot shower and washing your hair (laughs) something as a new mum the getting that 20 minutes is uh it it actually kind of rests your mind as well as your body Yeah, I don't think we ever fully switch off. You know, there's that thing when you get in the shower, you always hear a baby crying, even if you don't have a baby anymore. You're kind of like, what's that noise? But I have to say the only time I fully relaxed was when the doulas were there because I knew that they were 
like the trained professional, I knew if there was any concerns, they'd be the first one to knock on the door. Whereas my mother-in-law or my mother might not necessarily have wanted to bother me and they try and struggle through. Whereas the doula knows what my wishes were and would respect that 100%. So I knew I can totally relax because if there's anything, they'll be the first one to knock, you know. Um, and it's just, oh, it was amazing, you know, to have that time. I'd nearly cry when I'd open the door to them. I really would. Cause it's like, you're here. That's relief. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's it doesn't have to be a doula. It can be a friend. It can be anyone. It's just making sure that mothers don't isolate themselves, you know, Um. So it's taking the time to relax and enjoy baby, but taking the help. And even if you don't feel up to talking to someone, if you're like, oh, you know, an hour's conversation is just too much, you know, text your friend or whoever it is and say, would you mind, you know, grabbing two liters of milk and dropping it in when you're passing? You know, don't be afraid to to ask for that little bit of support. Yeah, because that word isolation, I think for new mums, it can be Mm. isolating. I think especially because... If you're not a breastfeeding mum, yes, there is very little support out there on a week to week basis. There's no kind of group that you can go to. There's no kind of, you know, sustained around the country. Or, yeah. And I think you can see that from like the baby massage classes or if you're there's a sensory class in your area. Yes. You're almost on um, a conveyor belt of mums at the same age because everyone does the same thing. Yeah. There's something to do yeah. to pull yourself out of that isolation. Your friends mm-hmm. are in work. Your husband may have returned to work. Yes. And you're kind of on your own in a little sense, trying to find your way in this totally new job. Yes. Yeah. Um, and even getting out to those classes. It's so important for you for just to socialize and kind of get out. And yeah. And it's hard getting out in the morning. Like, really, if you need to be out the door at 10 o'clock, you start getting ready at seven. You know, you do. It's epic. Um, But I would say. If you can, try and push yourself to go. The first one is always really scary. Even for me, and I run Quidju groups, you know, in my local area. So I'm well used to being in that setting. But even for me, when I'm going to my first one, I'm like, oh, what will they be like? Will they be nice? You know, will I click with anyone or will I feel like an outsider? You know, so we all have that anxiety. Um, And that's one thing that a doula can do, actually, is to go along with you for the first group. So you have someone that you already know that can help kind of break the ice and start conversations that can be really helpful. Um, but I do think get out and try to meet other mums. There are, like you said, the the groups that you pay for, like the baby massage and all those kind of things. But there are a lot of local groups that are run by public health nurses or um, local charities like, you know, or groups like Quidju or Friends of Breastfeeding. And you don't have to be a breastfeeding mum. It's not like if you show up to one of those meetings, they're going to be like, no, sorry, you have a bottle. Yeah, out you go. You know, and I even felt like that as a mum giving a bottle to my baby, even though it was breast milk in the bottle, I did feel a bit like I'm so going to be judged here, you know, but nobody bats an eye. And it's just about getting out and having a cup of tea and a chocolate biscuit and a chat and feeling like you've done something for you in the day. Yeah, and it's a sense you know, of achievement that you've absolutely. gone out the door, you've enjoyed yourself, you've come back. Yeah. And everyone has survived it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes it can be stressful getting out the door or getting the baby in the car seat or, you know, they do a massive poo up their back <laughs> just as you're about to go out the door. And you think, God, that's so stressful. Why would you bother? But it gets easier. 
every time you do it, you find it gets a little bit easier. It gets a little bit more manageable. It doesn't take you half an hour to change the baby anymore. You can do it in five minutes across your lap, you know? Yeah. Um. So you learn as and you grow as you do it. And I think that's that's a big thing is just to to kind of give yourself a little push out of your comfort zone every now and again to make sure that you kind of enjoy your maternity leave. Soak it up. You know, yeah, yeah absolutely. it's so important. And as absolutely. well, um, something to note is that there are some amazing groups on Facebook yes. in particular. Oh, yeah. There's one, there's a few that I've been in, the Extended Breastfeeding in Ireland. Yes. Huge sport. There's yeah. one called New Mammies, which they kind of do a lot of, you know, you can just ask questions. Okay. Um, that's a lovely little group because I remember seeing something in there, something you touched on. And it was this mum who was having an issue with babies having these massive nappies and yes. she literally felt she couldn't leave the house because oh, of it and my heart broke for her I was like that is just awful I but know. the support that rallied around her from yes. these other mums and these suggestions that you wouldn't have thought of yourself yes and I was like you know what isn't that just fabulous there's yeah. something amazing about mums helping mums oh I think so I think because we all know how hard it is you know and we all have different challenges and what might be a challenge to me might seem like nothing to you. And that's why we can build each other up because you could say to me, well, actually, do you know, have you thought about trying it this way? And it can just make the skies clear and you think, oh, wow, actually, I probably can do this. Yeah. Um, or even just for like when you're at one of those groups, like as we're on the subject of your baby does do a big poo, even for someone to just say, well, can I help? Can I, you know, get out the clean clothes and here do you want extra wipes whatever it is and we do we all help each other because we know it's it's We've not easy there. yeah 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 so it's that time we're coming towards the end of the episode and I have okay. three questions to ask you okay <laughs> what would you tell your pregnant self now oh what would I tell my pregnant self now um I think take more photos because it goes by really fast even if you think you look like a big fat blob take them and enjoy it um i think i definitely did enjoy it and take the time to savor it but it still went by so so fast um and one little thing that i always say to mums and i did it myself with mine and it can be a really lovely thing to put in their memory box is to write a letter to your baby while you're pregnant and just tell them all the lovely things that you've enjoyed about being pregnant, about feeling them kick, all those things and what you're excited to do with them. You know, I think it's lovely when mine read over it now, especially the 12 year old, when he reads his letter, he he thinks it's really cool. <laughs> it's a gorgeous idea. Yeah, it's nice. And what is the one product you couldn't live without? Mm. What is the one product? My, I, I don't know, is it a product, but definitely my hair straightener. Would you call that a product? Yeah, I, would. I couldn't live without my hair straightener. 100%. I have mad frizzy hair. <laughs> and what has been your magic moment? What has been my magic moment? I think like we were talking about earlier, watching my three kids together. Um, I don't think anything can match that feeling of just seeing this is my family. I've created this and it's just amazing. You know, to see the love from these tiny people that you have created with the love of your partner is just incredible. Yeah, it doesn't mm. get much more magic than that. No, I don't think so. <laughs> 
Jen, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you today. You so I've much. really enjoyed our chat. I oh, hope everyone bye. at home that is listening <laughs> has enjoyed it. Um, thank you for everyone who's listening to today's episode of For All Mumkind. If you've enjoyed it, please rate, review and subscribe. If you'd like to send me a message, please email forallmumkind at gmail.com or find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at For All Mumkind. See you soon. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. <laughs>